0: Strange things
1: are afoot at the circle, kid. That kid is back on the escalator again!
0: And don't hurt.
1: Is my boomstick! Game over, man! Game over! Welcome to The Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your
0: co-host, Sandro Luketic. And today we're talking 1987's The Monster Squad. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you've already seen the movie. I know you've seen the movie because we watched it together, but I'm assuming you hadn't watched it before then, yes?
1: No, um, I didn't, I I don't think I've even heard of it before that. Uh, in passing, if somebody said the Monster Squad, I might have mistaken it for the Toon Squad in the original Space Jam. Oh, God. <laughs> or not the Toon Squad, the, the Monstars. Oh, uh, that hurts. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, The Monster Squad was
0: uh, uh, a staple in my upbringing, Uh, right down to like seeing posters in mom and pop video stores and whatnot. Like I owned the VHS. I was looking for it to watch it for this podcast, but I couldn't find it heartbreaking. But yeah, man, I I I was really happy to show this to you, um, but I was almost disappointed when I started watching it with you. Why is that? Because I didn't have the same feeling that I had every other time I've watched the movie. However... I did re-watch it while making these notes, and I felt super nostalgic for it again.
1: So what you're saying is that I ruined it for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it was? Uh, I sat and watched <laughs> it, and <laughs> I didn't even really say too much.
0: Well, oh, And that's just it. I think I, I was so excited to show you the movie, and I really wanted you to like get a kick out of it, but neither of us really said anything. I think that brought me down.
1: Well, I'm so very sorry.
0: My expectations were ruined by your lack of enthusiasm, so thanks for that. And All with right. that, how about we get into the movie?
1: Well, I did want to make one more comment, um, simply that uh, going into the movie, or rather watching the movie, even initially when it started... I definitely got a feeling like this would have been up your alley when you were a kid. It it really does feel like, is it going to sound bad, but it's the common phrasing, I guess? Baby's first horror? Uh,
0: For most, yeah. The first horror movie I saw was Nightmare on Elm Street. But this is perfect. Like I love Scooby-Doo. I love Scooby-Doo because it's horror, but it's not scary. Uh, So they take a lot of the dark elements, like monsters and hauntings and stuff like that, and throw comedy into it and make it Mm -hmm. kid-friendly. This is problematic when you say it's kid-friendly, but at the time it was released, that's exactly what it was. Uh, In retrospect, it does have some issues, and certain things would definitely be omitted today.
1: It it really does sound worse than it really is, because, you know, that's just the popular phrase, babies first. But I can see it as being a transitional piece for somebody... Making that move from, say, the the Scooby Doo squad into bigger horror, like it's a nice half step to get into the genre.
0: Yes, and for future reference, they're called Mystery Incorporated. But you are you are right. It is that transitionary movie for kids going from like uh, funny horror that's not really scary into
1: legitimate like Universal horror films and and beyond. I'm trying to be complimentary, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the end of that for this episode. (laughs) Fine. All right. This is all all of our fans know that you're the mean one. Here I am trying to be nice.
0: I'm not the fucking mean one. You are. You insult me all the time.
1: I'm still waiting for you to just give me one clip from an episode where I did that. Oh, I think we've got 40 episodes. All right. Well, you better get listening because it's going to be a long time until you find one that doesn't exist. Uh, um, Let's get into the movie.
0: A rolling scrawl opens the film. It tells us that Abraham Van Helsing and friends tried to rid the world of vampires and monsters, but they blew it. Decent humor right off the bat. Inside Dracula's castle, we see a series of coffins and a few armadillos. As the camera tracks past the coffins, one of the lids slides ajar, allowing the release of some tarantulas and giving us a slight peek at the occupant's hand. Clinging to the ceiling is a vampire bat. Um, great shots of the bat turning into Dracula. Uh, but And this is going to be an ongoing problem for me with the movie. How does he transform from a naked bat to a fully clothed vampire? Oh
1: man. <laughs> you can't ask that question. That's I mean, in cinema history, we've always been trying to figure that out. I know. Uh, I mean, same No. Just just let it go. My only you question also, Yeah, go for it. Why are Medillos?
0: I was just about to bring that up. You mentioned that when we were watching the movie and I didn't have an answer for you. So I looked into it and in the original Universal 31 Dracula, he does have armadillos in his castle.
1: Is it because of the location or setting of that one? Or?
0: Um, I don't think that like armadillos it, are really prevalent in Transylvania.
1: It's easy to say, oh, we did it because it was in this previous one. But then you just ask the question, why was it in the previous one? I think it's
0: just because they're kind of foreign animals for a lot of people. <laughs>
1: And they look creepy as fuck. (laughs) We need something. Rats. Ah, that's too cliche. Armored rats? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. Van
0: Van Helsing and crew arrive and blow open the doors of the castle with dynamite. There's a lot of dynamite in this movie. They kill one of Dracula's brides with a crossbow uh, with wicked-looking effects before getting a child to read a scroll in front of a magical amulet. The ground breaks and zombies climb out of the earth, the incantation is finished, and a whirling portal opens, pulling everything into its vortex.
1: So, I really liked the special effects. They don't look great, but for the time... They fit the movie. They fit the movie, and again, keeping in mind that this is 1987, they're pretty good for that era, I would say. Yeah, I
0: mean, we're talking that year. Like, look, it's the same kind of effects for Evil Dead Two. Fair. When he gets pulled into the portal.
1: Okay, but I mean, I. Well, we'll get into budget later. But I feel like maybe this one would have had a higher expectation based on budget. But yes. Um. Anyway, d- do go on. Uh, we're now in present day.
0: Oh uh, wait, Kids hold on, hold
1: on. What? I missed. I I thought we already discussed the part where like Van Helsing gets sucked into the portal
0: oh no i just didn't bother mentioning that
1: okay well i mean it is worth mentioning i think um yes i guess so and yes when we watched it when we watched it together the first time i didn't really make too much mind of what was happening in this scene Mm -hmm. because it it's a very kind of basic introduction to what is the objective you can't make it too complicated for the kids what stood out to me the second time I was watching it was seeing the girl who was doing the incantation get sucked into the vortex immediately after opening it. And thinking I- back to later in the movie, like, nobody prepared for that possibility. <laughs> I don't even
0: remember that happening, but
1: yeah. Like, as soon as she opens the portal, you see, like, a bench fly in, and then her just. <laughs> I guess, yeah, they're opening a portal.
0: They don't know what exactly is going to happen when they open it.
1: Yeah, and then later in the movie, spoilers, which we're going to get to anyway, they plan to have females they know replicate the the incantation or whatever you want to call it. Didn't, like, try to hold them down, chain them up or anything, because they didn't know. Apparently, they just were anticipating getting sucked into the oblivion.
0: Yeah, also, the the vortex seemed very selective at the end
1: of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Almost like it had a magnetic energy to certain things, but... Exactly. Not in this scene. No.
0: Anyway, sorry. I I didn't mean to derail that. Well, we're in uh, present day now. Uh, Kids are getting out of school, but Principal Metzger has two in his office. Sean and Patrick are being scolded for drawing pictures of monsters during Mrs. Carlson's science class. Sean says they're part of a monster club and they draw pictures to put up on their clubhouse walls. Metzger's trying to be cool, saying he digs what they're doing, but science is real and monsters are not. Um, Every time I see this scene, I can't help but look at Sean's shirt. It's the wicked like homemade Stephen King rule shirt, red shirt with yellow lettering. Um, I see that shirt all the time in
1: Toronto. Like It's a popular piece of uh, pop culture. That's not what stood out in this scene for me. Um, Not that it's not a nice shirt by any means what what is it well first of all mr metzger's attempt to be like i dig it was just so bad but even more than that was how um patrick was it yeah uh patrick just throwing his friend under the bus saying that they call the other teacher, Meow Mix, because she looks like Cat. Yep, It's just like... Mm, and like Cat Head. <laughs> I'm surprised that Sean isn't sitting in the chair and like turns to the side like, Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> just <a> smack. <laughs> like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the, on, like, mm, these kids are assholes, man.
1: Oh, they really which, are,
0: which we see throughout the movies, it's sh- to a shocking degree at some points.
1: I, I want to specify that it's Patrick and Sean that are. I, I uh, Horace isn't so bad, and uh, oh, Rudy,
0: Rudy's a piece of shit.
1: No, I don't dare say that about Rudy.
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, right. yeah, uh, the kids leave the office. Several derogative homophobic slurs remind us we're watching a film from the 80s. Oh, you cannot
1: get away with any of this.
0: And it comes up again and again through the
1: movie. It's a running theme, keeping track of the quote-unquote insults that they hurl at each other for either things that you could not get away with now or insults that make no sense. (laughs) None. Like, whatsoever.
0: <laughs> like, the, and they just kind of, like, chucked them to the side, these, like, these insults. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you say that to anybody today, you're getting a beatdown.
1: Yep, Yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, they actually bump into Mrs. Carlson, uh, knocking books out of her hand. Uh, they apologize, pick them up for her, and walk off, making fun of her, amazed that some guy kisses her at night. Reinforcing that these two kids are assholes.
1: Oh. The worst. And it's not like she yelled at them or something. You know what I mean? Like, they could have set up a scene to make her look just really wretched. Like, they walk by her and almost make her drop her books, but not. And then she just rips into them or something like that.
0: Yeah. But But also, keep in mind, too, they were walking down the hall. Yeah, they weren't paying attention. She was walking out of her classroom not talking to anybody. You think she had her head up, she would have seen kids That she's around every day, knowing that they don't pay attention, and will just walk right into them?
1: I don't know what answer you want me to give here.
0: I don't know. I don't think she can get mad at them because they walked into each other.
1: I'm just saying, like, they were so rude to her, and she didn't really do anything that warranted it. No, just shot them a dirty look. That's it. like, okay, cool. Move on.
0: Meow mix. Uh, outside, the older brother from the Wonder Years, uh, E.J., and his friend Derek make fun of Horace for being fat. They throw his candy bar on the ground and step on it. More slurs, E.J. rips Horace's comic book. More slurs, Horace calls E.J. an asshole, and E.J. beats him down. The classic bully move in, the, in any 80s movie, really. Yeah. Kids, kids yeah. cheer on the fight until they go silent when the cool kid shows up on his bicycle rudy rudy's dressed as a greaser except for he's wearing loafers and ray-bans and i'm not entirely sure what grade this kid is supposed to be in we find out it's junior high but really i don't know <laughs> he implies that he's friends the, with horace the and look, he, he,
1: the, the look that? is just perfected by the fact that he's on a bicycle <laughs> yeah He implies that he's friends with Horace, and EJ
0: tries to explain, but Rudy makes him pick up the squashed candy bar and eat it, embarrassing himself in front of
1: the other kids. See, the embarrassment must come from the fact that he was made to do it, because it's not like he even dropped the candy bar in mud or anything. No, he he did step on it, though. Yeah, I'm not saying you want to eat a candy bar that you've stepped on by any means, but for potential punishments from the tough kid, Right. Yeah. That they make out to be like the whole crowd goes silent. So clearly there's a reason to be like hesitant about him, you know, and he shows up lighting a cigarette off his shoe. Right. Because oh, another, yeah, I forgot he smokes. Yeah. Another thing of the 80s is that younger children smoking. No problem. So in that context, forcing me to eat the chocolate bar is a little insulting, but I feel like it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse.
0: I'm I'm confused as to why Rudy even shows up in the first place.
1: You know what? I thought that too, because he's not in the Monster Squad. No, he's not friends with Horace. This comes up he do- later. He doesn't have a conscience. He's in junior high, but he's still going to the other school to pick fights? He, I d- yeah, why is he hanging out with the younger kids at their school? Okay, I mean, it could be just like a one-year difference, which... The,
0: no, no
1: what i'm saying is okay like what junior high is what grade seven eight in the states
0: i i have no idea
1: all right we'll say it is right if he's in grade seven and all of his friends are in grade six and they determine that there was a relationship prior to so these kids were friends all growing up in the same neighborhood friends then i fully understand him coming down to visit his friends because yeah Yeah. okay that makes sense But
0: if they're in grade 6 and he's in grade 7, he's been in grade 7 for at least three years.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, man, (laughs) that that they would have been better off that they actually were friends. Or you know what? His cousin. Oh, Horace's cousin cousin is in town. That's why he's not in the Monster Squad right now. Or moved to town, right? Horace could have been telling EJ, yeah, my cousin just moved down here and you're going to be sorry. It's just to to build some yeah. reason for him to stand up for Horace, but also not be in the Monster Squad yet.
0: I feel like there's a decision that was made here, because Shane Black is a great writer. um, And I think he would have caught something like that, or he was like, no one's gonna notice, and just didn't bother writing it in.
1: Aha! He didn't anticipate Sandro watching and critiquing the movie so soon after it came out. <laughs> 34, yeah. Yeah, 34 years. <laughs> years later. Where were you on that one, Shane Black? <laughs> Croatian
0: man in Ontario starts picking apart a movie.
1: <laughs> I'm coming for you next, Fred Decker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's sad. Fred Fred Decker. I mean, what, what do we have from Fred Decker here? Director of Night of the Creeps, one of my favorite horror comedies from the 80s and what might be the best movie of the series, RoboCop 3.
1: Well, he's also credited as a writer on this as well.
0: Well, he's, he's written a lot, actually, a lot of good things. We'll get into that later, because he and Shane are friends, and they co-wrote this screenplay. Okay. Uh, on the walk home from school, Patrick tries to convince Sean that the Wolfman can drive a car. Patrick's point? He was a man who had to go to work and wore pants. Sean's point is that those movies were made in the 40s, and he had to wear pants so you don't see his wolf dork. My point is that Universal's Wolfman came out in 41, but Werewolves of London came out in 35, and in that, a werewolf wears a suit. So I'm giving the point to Patrick.
1: I just brush this off as a nonsensical conversation between two friends. (laughs) I I love these kind of conversations.
0: These pointless conversations that are just fun to get into.
1: Well, you gotta talk about the dork.
0: No. John's little sister Phoebe joins the duo as they walk past a house inhabited by a scary German guy. Phoebe says he's watching them. Horace jump scares them and says that Rudy saved his life and he wants Rudy to join the monster club. They have a huddle on it Having a kid in junior high, junior high, I still disagree. Gives them cred. And Phoebe <laughs> says she heard that he killed his dad. This is the first time I caught that line.
1: Is she talking about Rudy or the crazy German guy?
0: Uh, Rudy, because she's in the huddle as well. About like that uh, with them talking about can Rudy join or not? Uh, uh-huh. they agree to let him into their club, but only if he passes their monster test. And as they leave. Phoebe looks at the old house again and sees that scary German guy is indeed watching them.
1: So, I wanted to say that this actress, Ashley Bank, playing Phoebe was a really cute kid. And I guess I just did. I also find it odd that I was going to say that because I looked it up after and she was born in 1981. So, she's older than us. Feels weird even though I'm watching it 34 years later to say, "Oh, what a cute kid!" <laughs> yeah, no, she's uh, a year older
0: than me. yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't want to give your... your you didn't want to give your age away, so I just said older than us, but hey, whatever you're oh who the fuck cares <sighs> So much profane language and I'm just being the nice guy here. Don't
0: start with me <laughs> again. <laughs> Cut to a plane flying high. The pilots are taxiing coffins to America. Do we know where this movie's set? I don't believe so. Okay. Anywhere America. Yeah, I think so. Uh, A noise disturbs one of them, and they go to the hold to check on the cargo. A bat jump scare is followed by Dracula knocking down a pilot. He inspects a box marked Frankenstein, and the pilot opens the cargo door. The box drops out of the plane, but Dracula hovers in place, terrifying the pilot, before he turns into a bat and flies out of the plane.
1: So a couple of things here. There's a lot wrong with this. One, and you're probably going to remember me saying this when we watched the movie, is that it's convenient that the only thing on top of that trap door was the one box that Dracula needed and nothing else.
0: Why was it even on the door? There's there's room to move around.
1: I agree. I don't know.
0: Because when you land, you would then have to go actively move this giant box to open the door to get the box out. Yeah. So it was an actual decision they made, which they would have to undo upon landing to do it again. And I'm starting to question black on this one now. Uh, the coffin drops into a swamp and the bat follows.
1: I think that one was Decker. Coming yeah, for we'll you, give Decker. The, Decker. 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 <laughs> uh, the other thing is that it definitely reinforces that this is a uh, more um, younger audience friendly horror movie when dracula doesn't attack or anything just scares him and leaves right yeah you don't get really much of any monster killing in this yeah well
0: um, dracula fucking hulks out at the end
1: there's a I'm saying, like, for a horror movie, it's very, yeah. it's a low, low body count, if that's what you want to use the term, right? Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, we're next at the clubhouse, which is, an, I think, an awesome-looking treehouse, but has no structural integrity whatsoever. Uh, Sean, Patrick, Rudy, and Eugene are quizzing Rudy on monster trivia. Rudy isn't really paying attention, though. He's busy spying on a house across the swamp. There's a teen girl in the window changing, and Rudy has binoculars in hand. So we got Sean, who's an asshole, Patrick, who's also an asshole, Rudy, who we know is really an asshole, and Eugene, who's just this cute kid who's sitting there with his dog, Pete.
1: Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> I just like this is our this is our group. Like the only good person here is Eugene, and he's not really a big part of the movie. Uh, Phoebe tries to get in the treehouse stating that her mom says they have to let her in, otherwise it's prescription. Sean corrects her saying it's discrimination. Prescriptions are for drugs, and she must be on them if she thinks she's coming in. That has to be Shane Black's writing.
1: Uh, I I can't Uh, differentiate between the two. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't know. Um, Uh, The the next
0: part, though, uh, really confuses me. Okay. Uh, They quiz Rudy on the second way to kill a werewolf, other than silver bullets. Rudy doesn't know and asks what it is, and none of them know.
1: How do you ask a quiz if you don't know the answers to it? Yeah. And the, all the
0: like the guys just look really confused. Until Sean and Phoebe get called in for dinner,
1: it almost. See, I, if, if I, I don't remember it hundred percent, but I feel like Rudy did suggest an answer mm. that they said was wrong. I don't recall 100%, Maybe. but if that's the case, how do you know he's wrong if you don't know what the second way is?
0: Yeah. It's a problem. I mean, Rudy could have just that been comes like Comes
1: back again. You know what I would You know what I would have done if I was writing this? Quit? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had him say an answer such as removing the head. Right? Mm. Have the kids say no. And then later on, the werewolf gets defeated by having its head removed. And then, like, Rudy just kind of like, yeah, I told you so. Yeah, that would have been good.
0: Let's go back to 1987 and rework this movie. They were actually <laughs> going to do a remake and then just canned it.
1: I mean, I've already got a few ideas, as I seem <laughs> to often do when we watch a movie, but go on.
0: Um, Inside the House... Sean's mom gives him a book she found at a yard sale. Abraham Van Helsing's journal. I also have a problem with this. Why was this journal at a yard sale if Van Helsing's house is in this American town? Obviously hasn't been lived in in a long time. Still is furnished. Has other uh, properties, I guess. Pieces of his ownership within how did this one book end up at somebody else's house where they had no idea
1: how important it was that they just sold it at a yard sale? Well, you see, Ben, uh, you've asked too many questions. And just because. Understood. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Looking at you, Fred Decker.
0: It doesn't uh, It doesn't make sense.
1: Uh, Dracula pulls up to the swamp in a hearse, and I'm curious about how he acquired it. Like did he steal it? I think like his clothing when he transforms, he just fabricated it. And I don't get that. That that's new. I
0: mean, I guess if you look into the history of the character, he was a necromancer.
1: We later was... find out that the car can go
0: through, I know, I through, know. like
1: physical matter. So my only assumption is that it is an imaginary made-up vehicle done with magic.
0: Yeah. I just, I really, really wanted to picture a horror movie in which Dracula has to hotwire a car. (laughs) 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 Or at least, like, just put somebody in a trance and get them to drive him around. But he's there to retrieve Frankenstein's monster, played by the amazing Tom Noonan. It's great to see Noonan on screen again,
1: man. You know what I found w- weird about this is that mm. we see Frankenstein's, you know, storage Fra- container. Frankenstein? Uh, not like a coffin, but whatever he's being transported in. Crate. Crate dropped out of the plane and Dracula fly- flies after it. You'd think yeah. he would have gone right after it, but apparently he went somewhere else for a while got his invisible car and drove to the location that you figured he just followed down in the first place yeah doesn't seem very efficient
0: yeah really like if he's just gonna like fabricate this car out of thin air you think he would just do it as soon as he got there
1: or just make it like a helicopter and pick up the crate before it hits the ground no, let's not let's not go too crazy here. Oh, now I'm being ridiculous. Okay, all right. Yeah. I, well, I was even I was trying to defend
0: it for a second. I was thinking well, maybe he knows that Frankenstein's monster walks slowly, and didn't want to wait, so he went to get the car. But then he could just fabricate the car. So where would he have to go get it from? And let's just not talk about this anymore.
1: <laughs> Dude, you keep that up, your head's gonna be spinning before this is over.
0: Dude. <laughs> Uh, Sean and his police detective father, Del, uh, played by Stephen Mock, have a chat. Sean wants to go see Groundhog Day 12, but his father and mother are going out and Sean has to watch Phoebe. I really, really love the relationship between Sean and his father.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. Did you hear where the father said he was taking the mother out? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, marriage counseling.
1: Marriage counseling.
0: Well, I have written down right here, Dell takes him to the movies. They joke about Sean's love of stupid horror films. He's open with Sean about going to marriage counseling. It seems like the two aren't just father and son, but really good friends.
1: Yeah, you. it comes off well on screen. Uh, even when Sean is like, I thought you gave up smoking, and his dad's like, you know, shut your trap type thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, you know, kind of in a stern but playful way. Like, they have a good relationship. Yeah. I just found like- that this claim of going to marriage counseling was a little odd because at night, what would be movie going time? Yeah, it really depends on the time of the
0: year. We don't know when this really is or where it is, so it could just be getting darker earlier.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Um, Dill gets a call from the precinct letting him know that he has bad news. Uh, In the background, we see a crazy man demanding to be locked up because he's a werewolf. Dell has to go to the office, and his wife, Emily, is incredibly upset about having to reschedule a day appointment. Uh, he tells her he loves her, and she tells him to prove it. He leaves, and she's furious. You should have just shot her. She's a very unlikable character.
1: Very unlikable. I mean, I agree with the dad almost 100%. He's like, I'm a police officer. You knew this when you married me. Yeah, yeah I agree with you, man. And then her saying, you know, if you love me, you'd stay. I mean, like, you, you realize people's lives are in danger and I'm being called away. Yeah. That's very but, selfish. That is very selfish. Yeah. And okay, to, to
0: go back a, a few steps, when she gives Sean Van Helsing's journal, he freaks up because he knows it's Van Helsing. She has no idea. Who that is, and thinks he's the guy who fought Godzilla. And he says, No, Mom, Dracula. And she says, Is he the tall one? And he goes, No, that's Godzilla. Dell will go to the movies with his son. He knows the movies are stupid. He doesn't care about the movies, he but he cares about his son's passions in life. The mother, Emily, doesn't even know anything about what Sean likes. She's picked up on a name here and there, and that's it. I she gonna, doesn't seem I to was, care.
1: I was going to let this point go, but since you had to walk us back to the scene, how did she know, if it's in German, that this is Van Helsing's book? Because she clearly doesn't have the knowledge anywhere beyond the name to put together yeah. image, tale, legacy of who and what Van Helsing is. So she just bought. A bound book in German, yeah, <laughs> and gave it to her son, knowing it's Van Helsing's. This also
0: raises a question for me because Sean realizes it's in German and is disappointed. but by getting so excited about it being Van Helsing's journal, that means in this world, of course, Van Helsing is real. Dracula is real. Sean watches horror movies, but are we to assume that they're actually been Dracula films?
1: That's a good question.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just something to think about. It's more like the whole uh, wolfman wearing pants being able to drive. It's a qu- it's a question that doesn't have a set answer, but it's fun to just shoot the shit about. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't pull on this thread. All right. At the police station, the crazy man, Jonathan Grease, who I know from Fright Night 2 but most people who know as uncle Rico from Napoleon dynamite, uh, is still pleading to be locked up. That is until he sees a full moon and becomes incredibly violent, attacking the police and stealing an officer's gun. He shoots at the ceiling, yelling to be locked up before being shot repeatedly by one of the officers. We now cut to the town's museum. More police are there investigating the disappearance of an Egyptian mummy. I originally thought Dell was going to deal with the werewolf guy. Uh, I don't know why he's needed to join the mummy investigation
1: i mean it does look like his uh, partner detective sapir rich yeah uh is leaving the precinct when he makes that phone call so yeah. it's almost like he was calling him about the mummy thing and then just got kind of distracted with this scene going on here yeah uh, that makes sense which the guy's begging to be locked up. Maybe lock him up before shooting him to death. Well, he's got a gun at that point. But he's clearly shooting in the air, not at anyone. And yeah, still but he's, also, he's
0: acting so irrationally. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't try and like apprehend him. If he's got a gun and he's screaming about being locked up and shooting the gun just not like at any specific point, but just at the ceiling. Like, what says if I rush him, he doesn't snap again and pull the trigger on me?
1: I think before he even got the gun, he wouldn't need to be apprehended. He would just... Oh, no, they
0: should have locked him up before he
1: even had the opportunity to steal a gun. He's clearly quite compliant at that point. You could probably just open a cell door and he would walk right in. Yeah. Movie logic. I guess, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't make for much of a movie if he just got in sat down transformed behind bars and was like oh, okay oh well
0: <laughs> yeah they could have done that with two of the monsters in this movie which i'll also get into okie dokie uh at the museum we get a good zero, though as dell says two thousand year old dead guys don't get up and walk away by themselves and then we cut to the mummy shuffling across a city street <laughs> 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 i like that That was good um a coroner van drives by it contains the body of the crazy man from the police station Thought to be dead, the man transforms into a werewolf and kills the driver. Back at the Crenshaw house, Sean is on the roof watching the movie at a drive-in through binoculars. Uh, I loved this. I've always loved this, and I would totally do that. Be able to hang out on a roof, tune the radio to the right frequency of the theater, and just chill watching free horror movies. Seems like such
1: a fun thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, it's got a good setup. You got your binoculars, you got your radio, your dad's bringing you Burger King.
0: Yeah, he climbs out on the roof with him and gives him Burger King and joins in watching the movie. Yeah. He
1: even says, what did I miss? Right? Like yeah. he cares.
0: Yeah. it. it this, these two characters, well, Sean on his own and Dell on his own. They're all right, but you put those characters together and it's awesome.
1: I think uh, Dell on his own is all right. Sean on his own is not. An asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the werewolf is on the prowl and runs into Dracula. The mummy
0: joins them, and they go to get Frankenstein's creature, which is thrown out of the swamp by the Gillman. Man. Uh, pretty cool pseudo-get-together for the Universal Monsters, even though they had to make them look different for you know, legal reasons. See,
1: this scene bothered me. I, I have questions about it too. I thought we went to get Frankenstein much earlier, but I guess not. Uh, how did the mummy know where to go... The only thing I will say positive here is that it was a pretty cool shot seeing them all standing on the bank as the camera panned out a little, like the end of the
0: scene. I agree completely. It looked great. And like Dracula being there and Frankenstein's monster being there and the mummy being there makes sense because of the exhibit at the museum. But how did they manage to end up in the same town as the Wolfman and Gilman?
1: anything well you see they're in sean's town which is where the amulet is that they're after so clearly dracula strategically planned it for the pilot to open the the trap door right when they were flying over this town you see
0: that happened to have the Wolfman and the gill man as well so it's purely coincidence
1: yes all right well well i mean i guess the Wolfman was saying that he was like turned into the wolf man and it sounds recent. I don't it know could be. I don't know how or what would have made him a wolf man, but it's almost like this occurrence turned him. Yeah. But also it
0: seems like the swamp itself is not attached to a larger body of water. So the gill man either has been living in that one swamp this whole time, or somehow he's gone from one body of water to another with nobody noticing him.
1: Okay, we've picked this apart too much.
0: All right, sorry. Dracula talks Frank. I'm going to call him Frank and Drac now. Back to life with lightning, and the gang is fully together again. Uh, Apparently there's now a power outage. I'm assuming it was caused by Dracula. uh, And Emily's tucking Phoebe into bed. Sean is scared Phoebe, thinking that monster's attack when the power is out. Um, Then we get an interesting line that makes me ponder who the movie is for. Phoebe asks Emily if she's going to yell at him. Emily says she loves Phoebe's father. And this confuses Phoebe because she was talking about her brother, Sean. No kid's going to pick up on that. Like, no kid watching this movie is going to understand Emily thinking that Phoebe's talking about Dell. So maybe it's a line for parents taking their kids to the movie? Maybe? I don't know.
1: I guess I've just kind of tuned out these ridiculous lines at this point. All right. And Should am much we move more, on? I'm sorry. And much more perplexed at what we discussed when we were watching the movie is who uses a candle right next to a bed to go to sleep in a power outage? Uh,
0: 1987 Anywhere America, man. Like, that's a good way to just set your house
1: on fire. Yeah, don't worry, honey. Just go to sleep. Let the fire go out on its own. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I know
0: Emily's distracted with what's going on in her life, but no one's that distracted. But next we get to see Dell and Emily arguing in the living room. Sean's in the kitchen looking out the window and listening to his parents fight. He looks to the whiteboard by the phone. Oh, my God. Okay. Sees a message for Sean. Caller, Mr. Alucard, in brackets, school? Message. Interested in Van Halen diary. Possible money. Showing that Emily really doesn't care about her son's interest when she's already forgotten Van Helsing and writes Van
1: Halen. This further reinforces the fact that how does she know what she was buying? But at, at the same time, Alucard? I guess this movie takes place in Nilbog because <laughs> Dracula can't think of any other name to go by when pretending to be somebody who's not than his name backwards. I also find it hard
0: to picture Dracula using a telephone. I didn't even think that far into it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sean figures out that Alucard is just Dracula backwards. But now I question, did Dracula just figure out Sean's number and leave an actual message for a child?
1: <laughs> How did he oh. even get the number? and call I don't from... <laughs> know! I don't know! They must have great phones in the swamp where he just was.
0: And the swamp, I swear to God, is... The swamp that the uh, clubhouse is on. Uh, And you know what? From a set standpoint, it probably is. No, it just makes sense. Trust me. I'll get into that too. Okay. Uh, Eugene knocks on his father's door saying there's a monster in the closet. The father enters the boy's room and jokingly kicks all the invisible monsters out of the room. The boy points to his closet and the father opens the door doing the same shtick, only he doesn't actually look in the closet and we, the audience, see that the mummy is actually hiding inside.
1: Why wouldn't you just look? Why is the mummy in the closet? That's another good question. (laughs) It it doesn't
0: pick its feet up off the ground. It just kind of shuffles. So I'm assuming this house must be a bungalow then, and it's not upstairs. Also, it figured out how to open and close doors, yet open the closet, go inside, and get stuck? Shall I I move on?
1: I mean, jerk dad. You're opening the door already. Just look inside. And then he scolds his son,
0: too, about monsters not being real. Yeah. And Uh, again,
1: the mummy just leaves without actually attacking anyone. Yeah. So uh, that also
0: means that the town we're in, these people just don't lock their doors monster uh, unlock
1: power?
0: <laughs> yeah. Sean and crew are in the treehouse, and they establish that they are now called the Monster Squad. Sean has been listening in on his father's phone calls and believes that monsters are invading their town. Uh, he points out that he has Van Helsing's diary, but can't read it because it's in German. Patrick says that his sister is learning German in high school, and Horace retorts that she, quote, doesn't speak German all or, at all. Or no, she doesn't speak German. All she does is hang around and let guys touch her tits
1: is a weird Mort- line to say about your sister. It,
0: mm, yeah, uh, 80s, man. 80s writing. Which, but, we quince- more because Rudy finds out she's the girl he's been spying on and is stoked.
1: Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense. They're friends maybe because they're neighbors, right? Like, I guess. But...
0: I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Anyway. Uh, At the uh, abandoned, creepy Van Helsing house that Dracula's in, he enters a secret passage and descends into a hidden basement where Frank is being kept in a cell. Drac tells Frank that children have the diary and Frank needs to acquire it. If they don't hand it over, kill them. Not a lot of talk about killing children in movies in the 80s, so that was kind of dark.
1: Um, This is the Van Helsing house. Yeah. The house supposedly where the book came from that the mom bought in a yard sale yeah
0: this is my question earlier man it doesn't make any sense keep going uh (laughs) the boys go to scary german guy to have the diary translated uh at that time phoebe's playing by the water and is approached by frank scary german guy is feeding the boys pie and pepsi While translating the book for them, it describes that the amulet maintains the balance between good and evil and is indestructible, but every 100 years at the stroke of midnight, the amulet becomes vulnerable and can be shattered, Uh, assuming time zones don't matter. Uh, Once destroyed, the balance can shift and evil can reign. To stop the forces of darkness, they can open a vortex that will swallow the forces of evil forever. And, oh my god, tomorrow is the 100 year anniversary.
1: I mean, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of exposition dump halfway into a movie though.
1: It is a lot of exposition exposition dump. It makes sense why Dracula and all of this stuff is taking place right now, because it's the yeah. day before. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense why they just got the book now. That's just a big coincidence, but it, it makes sense from the like the the monster standpoint. Well, only if Dracula is a
0: fucking procrastinator and didn't try and get the amulet early and hang on to it. I mean, how does he know it's there?
1: I don't know.
0: <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> there's no way that he would know where the amulet is unless there's been a lot of investigating going on that we're just not privy to. He's I mean... just there the day before he absolutely needs it.
1: It feels like Dracula was the only monster that was kind of active, setting this whole thing up, pulling the strings. But none of them want to be there. But if that was the case, then why wasn't he at the Van Helsing house guarding or looking for the diary journal earlier?
0: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He let it go until the day before.
1: I don't, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, The boys are ready to leave the house and Horace tells scary German guy that he sure knows a lot about monsters. The old man agrees and slowly closes the front door, revealing a concentration camp tattoo on his wrist. Again, who is this movie for?
1: Not kids. They're not going to put that... Not kids. Like, I get the reference to him knowing monsters and he's not talking about, like, the literal monsters that we're seeing in this movie, but, yeah kids aren't getting that
0: no and that is a really moving scene for me
1: i mean it's a very drastic difference from him trying to shove pie and pop down these kids throats he's eager yeah he loves giving people pie for some reason maybe he's
0: even even does it again later in the movie
1: yeah he 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 offers suggests it but uh yeah are we supposed to believe that maybe he's just a Like a really lonely, crazy German guy, and he's just happy to have people there?
0: Yeah, I believe so. I think he's just incredibly lonely. He had an incredibly traumatic life and is isolated. (laughs) Um, The boys plan to find the amulet and a virgin to perform the ritual. Scary German guy never mentioned anything about a virgin in his recanting of the diary, so okay...
1: I'm going to assume that there was a bunch of reading from the diary that we didn't (laughs) get. Definitely. Because, you know, we cut to the scene with them just coincidentally in that one page. I'm sure that he didn't just open the book to that page and bam, this is exactly what we needed. I wonder what other useless information is in that diary. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Yeah. They go back to the treehouse and ask Rudy if he knows a virgin and can get silver bullets. Phoebe interrupts and introduces them to her new friend Frank. They hide in terror. Phoebe reassures him that he's friendly and tells them not to be chicken shits. They slowly leave their cover and realize that Frank is indeed on their side. So um, this, I like I like this a lot, man. I really like this representation of Frankenstein's monster.
1: So I I liked Phoebe calling them chicken shits. It was <laughs> yeah. it was it was not too heavy-handed or like severe of an insult but just enough to like be weird coming out of this cute little girl yeah
0: well she knows she's been picking up on what people are saying around her she's aware of her environment for sure
1: yeah to me at this point i was a little scared because of you know frankenstein right (laughs) he just lifts her up and rips her in half i mean it's a very direct reference in the book right (laughs) to him yep befriending a little girl and we know how that goes Right Into the river. Um, the other thing that really stood out to me is when they run and hide, Horace hides in a garbage can. Yep. I'm not the biggest horror movie guy. I'm not part of a quote-unquote monster squad. But I know that if I am fleeing from a situation, putting myself into an isolated space with no other exit is not a sound strategy. (laughs) Poor Horace. Like, like if Frankenstein really was a villain, he'd just open the lid and be like, gotcha. He'd probably just crush the can. Yeah, look. Good job, Horace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Should have taken the quiz more seriously. I want to know how they got Frank into the treehouse. Let's try and form a plan. I don't see him
1: climbing a ladder. Don't they even make like a reference um, to the Earth? dog? Yeah. Rudy's like, how did he even get up here? Yeah. Almost like that's a subtle, like, remember this moment because it's going to get so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> You'd uh, think that the weight of Frankenstein alone would topple that thing.
0: It, it looks like it's held together with glue. Yeah. The way it's shaped. I don't know. It looks fucking cool, but it's completely unrealistic. Uh, Frank takes up Rudy's penchant for spying on Eugene's sister until he's presented with a Halloween costume of himself. And, oh, he does
1: um, also snap the picture. He does snap the picture, yes. That they conveniently use develop. later on. Yeah. Uh, Frank's
0: incredibly distraught, realizing that people think he's scary. They skip any sentimental value of this scene and just show them all going for a walk. Um... There's a lot of heavy-handed emotional stuff in this movie, but I think this would have been the only appropriate heavy-handed emotional stuff. I think they really go into Frankenstein being upset that people see him as a monster. Well, Frankenstein's monster.
1: <laughs> it's good to know that the like biggest emotional development in the movie is Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, a the, zombie. The essentially, oh, the, yeah, the almost emotionless being is the one with the most emotional development.
0: Yeah. I love it, though. And I can't picture anybody
1: other than Tom Noonan playing this character. Hey, this I'm, I'm not saying that there was a problem with how they did the Frankenstein side of it. I mean, they need to build that relationship. Like, they need to lay the foundation for it. Yes. I'm, yes, almost, they do. I'm almost indirectly criticizing the lack of any sort of emotional development for any of the other characters. Yeah.
0: No, it's a valid valid point. Uh, Dracula and the Wolfman are wandering through the basement of the mansion looking for the amulet. The Wolfman is carrying a lantern even though the space is lit as well as any room in any
1: house. because he has the lantern.
0: Yeah. Well, Dracula finds the amulet hidden behind a wall and then we just cut to the next morning. uh, The monster squad assembles and goes to school.
1: It kind of feels like there was already a hole in that wall. Like a crack or something, yeah. And with the light coming from it,
0: And why is it green? It's only green when it's in that room.
1: It's because it's green lights in the room, you see. Oh, all right. But it just feels like the search, and I'm doing air quotes even though I'm not on camera. The search for the amulet would have been a very short one. Come downstairs. Oh, there's a light coming out of that crack. Take a look inside. There it is.
0: Well, like, the thing is, he was too worried. He couldn't get down there because it wasn't well lit enough. That's why I needed the Wolfman. It took forever because the Wolfman was in police custody. Yeah, I'm not being serious. You know that, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> I was just taking a moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in uh, in shop class, Rudy's making stakes. Um. Wicked '80s montage music here, man. Rock until you drop by Michael bellow was the perfect choice and i actually stopped taking notes just to listen to it and then went back to start taking notes again and just listen to it again
1: this
0: okay go on no i say fees dressing frank up in costumes in the treehouse eugene's writing a letter in his bedroom it reads dear army guys come quick there are monsters eugene and he's wearing a Confederate soldier's hat for this scene for some reason. Uh, Patrick makes Monster Squad business cards. Rudy makes silver bullets. I don't know what kind of shop class this is. Uh, they just have uh, bullet casts and molds laying around.
1: Well, luckily uh, they had a pot of water for melting down yeah. the silverware.
0: Oh, well, he then goes to the school's archery range and steals a compound bow and a full quiver
1: of arrows. And nobody notices it. Why did he need to 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 uh, sand down stakes if he could just use arrows? They're they're pointy. Yeah, you just you just stole arrows. <laughs> Those stakes are going to be too heavy for the bow. No, they aren't. Well, they they
0: should be. They should be, yeah. But then he goes to one hour photo lab and picks up the pictures that he's taken that were taken of uh, Patrick's sister. And there's a spit take cut to Frank staring at the photo and holding it above the kids' heads so they can't get to it no matter how high they jump. Okay. This is when the song ends. That's all been going on through the entire song.
1: I have a serious problem with the Frankenstein holding the picture part.
0: Well, the fact that he's wearing Rudy's sunglasses and staring at what is... We're we're meant to believe as a naked teenage girl. Yeah, I see a lot of problems with that myself.
1: That's not what I was going to point out. Did you look at the roster of kids jumping to get the picture?
0: No, I didn't pay that close attention. I was just kind of confused as to why they would do that with Frankenstein's monster.
1: Patrick is one of the kids jumping to get this picture of his naked sister. Uh maybe he's just trying to get it away from them.
0: Maybe. Get your mind out of the gutter.
1: Okay. I get like Phoebe's one of the kids jumping too, but I feel with her it's like a monkey see monkey do. She's trying to be like the other kids. She sees them jumping for a picture. Oh definitely. She
0: does it too. She's trying to fit in.
1: But at no point prior to this did they give us the impression that Patrick was interested in defending his sister. No. I don't I don't feel like that's what he was doing.
0: No, I'm justifying it to make it less creepy. He was trying to get it away from them, so no one looked at his sister.
1: All right, if that's what you need to tell yourself. <laughs> By the way, I'd like to go back to the montage and point out how Rudy was making steaks and a silver bullet. Um, Eugene was writing a letter to the army. I, I mean, odd, but at least an attempt. Patrick was making business cards that represent i mean one of these things seems less important to what's going on
0: but if he didn't make the cards then there's nothing sean would be able to hand over to the army guy
1: did i miss this what was sean doing during the montage uh i don't know he's the leader i don't remember anything that he was doing it... No, me neither. He was sleeping. Slacker. Just delegating <laughs> and, and then taking off. Uh, Crying in a corner, listening to his parents argue. Probably on the roof watching a movie. Too busy to care about what's going on.
0: Yep. Yeah. Screw those guys. It's movie time. Groundhog Day 13 now. Uh, Back at Chateau Van Helsing. Drac has the wolf man in human form tied to a chair. It's weird he doesn't have a name. The Wolfman. His character doesn't have a name. Uh, he's been dosed with a tranquilizer so he doesn't try to alert the police before turning into his wolf form again. Dracula leaves the room because he needs to feed and unlocks a closet door opening it to uh, reveal three girls. Wolfman spits out the pills and squirms out of his bindings. At the police station, Rich tells Dell about reports of a black hearse with a silver skull hood ornament being spotted in town. Uh, I'm confused as to why that's of any importance but it seems pretty grave uh del gets a call from the wolf man he's made it to a phone booth and warns del that dracula found the amulet and is going to kill sean he then changes into wolf form smashes his way out of the phone booth and runs off into the night how does he know that del is sean's father
1: how does he know the number to reach him
0: yeah a decent uh transformation scene though brief but decent um I, I i do like the werewolf design in this movie i didn't as a kid but seeing how much they've fucked up werewolf uh effects in recent movies i'll take it
1: i was just okay with it i i yeah. there was a few weak spots for sure oh yeah definitely
0: uh the squad are readying a plan to split into groups sean horace eugene frank and pete the dog are headed to the mansion Rudy and Patrick have to get a virgin to read the passage, so they go to Patrick's sister, Lisa. Eugene is eating a twinkie by the swamp, and Pete knocks it into the water as Eugene reaches for it. The Gillman bursts out of the swamp and just steals the sack. He doesn't attack anybody and nobody else notices. I don't get it.
1: Curse to me that he could have ended this a lot easier uh, a lot earlier in favor of the monsters. yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Rudy and Patrick awkwardly ask Lisa if she's had sex. She's offended and Rudy shows her the photo they took of her earlier. He threatens to post it on the bulletin board at school right between the prom committee notes and the football roster. Now, I have a major problem with this. Okay. Look at this from her perspective. She's not sure why she's in the treehouse, is asked if she's had sex, is then threatened with a naked photo of herself, and that's the scene. There's no explanation as to what is expected of her, why she's there in that position, and why her brothers involved.
1: Or why we assume she's a virgin? I don't care. I don't care about that. It's just...
0: It makes no sense. So- it's almost like they like forced her into the treehouse and then threatened her. And she's like, why? Why are you doing this to me? Why do you have this picture of me? Why is my brother here? Who are you and why are you hanging out with my brother? And why are you threatening to show school
1: naked photos of me? Yeah, that's a lot of questions that you just posed. I have answers for none of them.
0: Yeah, it seems really weird, right? Yeah. But I guess this is coming from the late 80s male perspective of storytelling? I don't know.
1: I, again, uh, uh, again, maybe a much my a more minor point after what you just uh laid out there but this is the person who earlier one of the characters said all she does is sit around and let guys touch her tits yeah i'm not saying that that goes hand in hand with not being a virgin anymore but if i'm you know sitting there with the fate of the world you know as a potential threat here yeah might start with something a little bit more hopeful than that yep we'll just move on from here. There's
0: way too many questions that we will never get answers to hmm. uh the the kids are scoping out the mansion. Frank tells the boys that Dracula knows they're there and wants them dead uh inside the house Dracula's rigging up dynamite to destroy the wall and retrieve the amulet the The kids enter the house and Horace tries to chicken out sean tells them they have two consolations one frankenstein is on their side sean just failed his own monster quiz again because that was a question is frankenstein in the name of the monster or the creator uh, and two his father is a cop frank's steps alert drag to their presence even though we were already told that he knows they're there and the plunger on the detonator falls on its own The house violently shakes uh, after the explosion and part of it collapses onto onto Frank. Sean acts like a complete dick and says they're leaving Frank behind. Just then the Wolfman appears. It confronts Horace, who follows Sean's instructions to kick him in the nards. A swift kick between the legs stuns the Wolfman long enough for the kids to run away. Wolfman's Got Nards is probably one of the most famous quotes of this movie and the name of the documentary about this movie.
1: These are all true statements, yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, They run down a long hallway and throw open a door to reveal Dracula's new three brides. They turn and run back, but Dracula's at the other end of the hall. The next hall has the Wolfman, so Sean finds the secret entrance to the basement and the boys enter.
1: It is a good thing that they found that entrance because they had so little time left on the clock as all three directions, the villains slowly walked towards them. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh,
0: the Wolfman. every time we see him in wolf form, he's just running all over the place.
1: And here he's slowly shuffling down the hallway. I don't know why. <laughs> y- you could have done the same scene and shown them running. Yeah. Oh, they found the lever much quicker. It's it's not like it would have been difficult to do in movie form. Instead, we're to believe that the monsters also want to toy with them? I guess. I love
0: uh, Sean's uh, reaction and his way to deal with the scenario is to immediately fall back on things he read about in Hardy Boys books. And just... Can you imagine? They just start pulling at the arms of that statue and nothing happens and they're all murdered.
1: I mean, much like the, the earlier scene where they could have ended it when the you know the twinkie instead but they could
0: have avoided the whole thing the if whole get, thing if dracula just started searching a month in advance
1: if if see i'm led to believe that the monsters are doing all of this stuff because they want to destroy the amulet not because they want to toy With a bunch of kids. This seems like a very inefficient way to do it. There they are. Just go get them. Kill them. And the other thing is, when they push the lever or pull it or whatever it is. I can't remember on the statue. Yeah, they pull out the uh, arm. They fall to the underground where the amulet was. Yeah. Does Dracula not know where that was?
0: Well, they used, they used that entrance, that secret entrance, Dracula and the Wolfman. But they didn't just fall right to it. They walked down a flight of stairs and down a hall before they found it. Are so we... now we're led to believe that this secret entrance changes position through the house. We... Or they have the exact same suit of armor with the exact same lever mechanism is elsewhere in the house.
1: Are we also to believe that this trapdoor has a timer mechanism on it, that the Dracula and Wolfman couldn't just walk over and pull it again? Good good question. You could say, oh, they're walking slowly for whatever reason, so it's gonna take them a long time to get to that basement level to get them before they leave the building. But there's also a trapdoor right there and even if the monsters didn't know about it ahead of time, just watched them do it. Yeah, I,
0: we're giving a lot of shit to this movie
1: that was supposedly meant for children to enjoy. You know what we don't give a lot of shit to, though? What? The Knights and Nerds podcast. Why don't we hear a message from our friend Tim? Knights and Nerds is not just an actual play D&D podcast with an original campaign being played by a group of friends who tolerate each other. It's also a podcast where I, the Dungeon Master, talk about how I'm adapting to the choices the players make, as well as revealing to you, the audience, the complex story and deadly twists that I have in store for my players. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or at knightsandnerds.com.
0: We are now uh, with Rudy, Patrick, and Lisa at Phil's Diner, worrying over the fact that the others are late for the rendezvous. Back at the mansion, Sean finds the amulet in the basement. The room does look badass, with crosses, crucifixes, and garlic everywhere. Uh, Dracula grabs him as soon as he leaves the room, but Sean burns him with garlic, and the boys escape the mansion. Outside, they meet up with Phoebe, who recruited Scary German Guy. Rudy, Patrick, and Lisa show up next. They decide to go to the old church in town and hop in Scary German Guy's truck.
1: Sorry, I hate to go back, but I I really want to point out that the garlic that they burn Dracula with is from a slice of pizza that Horace, Horace or as we know that he is lovably called in this fat guy, of course was just carrying around with him. It's fine. It was good for a laugh. It was alright.
0: Uh... Dell and Rich get into their car to investigate the tip from the Wolfman and how much fucking time has passed since that phone call?
1: A lot. Uh, a lot has happened. 15 minutes. Yeah.
0: Keeping in mind that the Wolfman let Dell know that someone's going to kill his child.
1: Yeah, you think he would have gotten gotten the gears out a little bit sooner. Yeah.
0: Uh, driving into town the squad almost hits the mummy the truck swerves out of the way but the mummy jumps onto the back of it the first actual
1: motion we really see from it uh, <laughs> I, found, I found this hilarious because every time we've seen the mummy he's just slowly shuffling along <laughs> just kind of taking his time no range of motion and getting then just... stuck in closets And then just leaps onto a
0: moving vehicle. Yeah, he lunges. He just dives onto that truck.
1: Where did you get this agility from?
0: I I have no idea. you think he would have, like, broken everything. He was saving up his energy for,
1: for this moment.
0: Well, Patrick ties an end of the mummy's wrappings to an arrow, and Rudy shoots it into a tree with the bow that he stole earlier. As they drive on, the mummy unwinds and leaves only a skull on the road. Um, few things. shitty way to kill off the character. Uh, also, going back to what I said before, what what has the mummy been doing this whole time? He hasn't been with the other monsters. He's just wandering around. Why would Dracula even recruit him?
1: Uh, he was the perimeter defense. Uh-huh. See, you see any vehicles coming and going. That's your that's your job, man. <laughs> you know what uh, I would have done. I would have played back to the scene we saw earlier and had the mummy get burnt up by one of the candles left by the bedside from the blackout. That would have been great.
0: That would have worked perfectly. You're welcome. Getting plot points I didn't even know I wanted. I told you, uh, man, we could rewrite this
1: movie. I think we could do a great job.
0: We should. We'll come up with our own version of the story. We won't write a script, but we'll come up with our own version of the story. We'll have an episode about it. How about that?
1: No, that sounds a All lot right. more work than just saying it in theory.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Come on, slacker. Uh, Dell and Rich are speeding down the road and encounter Dracula's hearse. The hearse passes through the cop car as if it was a phantom. Dell and Rich scream, but don't try to veer out of the way. They're also driving down the middle of the road, and I'm still confused by Dracula's
1: ghost car. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could have summarized this entire scene in your notes with just a big question mark
0: yeah uh, Dracula arrives at the Crenshaw house smashing through the fence and parking on the lawn he then throws dynamite into the treehouse and it explodes Dell and Rich arrive, Dell pulls his gun and Dracula blows up the car with Rich inside uh, a lot of like I said earlier, a lot of dynamite in this movie Dell shoots the vampire multiple times, but the bullets have no effect. He tells Dell he's going to kill Sean. He then turns to a bat, into a bat, and flies
1: away. What an unceremonious defeat for what did you say his name was? Rich. Rich, yeah. Just, I mean, I mean, okay, it was it wasn't like it was a minor thing. He got exploded with dynamite, but yeah, it was just such a throwaway. Like it just. Yeah, it just happened. This this uh, raises a few
0: more questions, though, um, because Dell shoots Dracula later and it fucks him up, but here he's shot numerous times and nothing happens. It doesn't Dell
1: shoot him later when he's in his bat form. Oh, you mean he's he's vulnerable to bullets when he's in a different form? Well, I don't think it's that he's vulnerable. And I'll tell you how I read that sequence with the bat, is that he wasn't hurt by the bullets when Dull shot him just now, but they hit him. They made physical contact. And I feel like when he was a bat, you know, much smaller creature, he's in flight, so the bullets didn't necessarily hurt him as much as just kind of like threw him off course, right? Okay that is kind of negated by the state that we see him in after that happens but that's just yeah. the impression that i got when it happened
0: okay i could see why you would think that but what we see afterwards uh changes how that would be possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Del runs into the house and gets a walkie talkie he contacts sean and finds uh, that they're at town square uh the squad pass another burger king product placement before arriving at the church the doors are locked and Dracula's brides arrive. They start the ritual and Rudy kills the vampire women with stakes. One of which he launched from his bow.
1: It should have been too heavy for
0: the bow. It was bigger than a broom handle. Like a broomstick. It, it should have gone like a few feet. Yep. Uh, Dracula arrives in bat form with Del on his tail, leaning out the car window and shooting wildly. He hits the bat, and it sails through the second-story window of the sporting goods store. Dell grabs a stick of dynamite, again, dynamite, and runs inside, and Dracula is actually fucked up, laying on the ground, halfway transformed. Dell lights the dynamite, just as the Wolfman jumps in from behind. Sean distracts the beast, giving Dell a chance to stick the dynamite down the Wolfman's pants, pushes him out the window, and he explodes. Now, I have a little bit to say here. The Wolfman takes all of the punishment in this movie. He shot three times, tied to a chair, force-fed drugs, kicked in the nuts, hit in the face with a pole, dynamite stuffed in his pants, thrown through a window, and blown
1: up. I'd say he's probably having less than a good day. What happened to Dracula? Dracula
0: got shot. Frankenstein got pinned under rubble. The mummy got unwound. And, I mean, well, we'll get to what happens to Gilman. But, uh, yeah, Dracula's escaped during the fight. Outside, we see the pieces of the Wolfman are actually alive, and he starts to reassemble. Lisa has finished reading the passage, but no portal appears. Wolfman runs into the street, still wearing pants, somehow, and gets shot three more times by the police. Lisa confesses she's not a virgin. Rudy takes a gun from the downed cop and loads it with his silver bullet, shoots the wolf man. Now in human form, the man thanks Rudy and dies. The Gilman bursts onto the scene from the sewer. This is like a, a siege scene. Sorry for all these bullet points, but uh scary German guy realizes that Phoebe can read the passage. Gilman slowly walks towards Horace, who grabs a shotgun and takes him out with one shot. It is just as useless as the mummy. All he's done was steal a Twinkie. No, he threw the crate onto the land, stole and then got shot. Dracula appears and is now electrified in blue lightning? He takes out every officer that gets between him and the diary, or the journal. He does something to scary German guy, which makes his chest glow for a second and knocks him to the ground. Uh, This is crazy, though. The vampire picks Phoebe up by her face, calls her a bitch, and demands she hand over the amulet. Uh, Phoebe's saved by Frank though who launches Dracula into the air on his descent Dracula falls onto a wrought iron spiked cross um, I read a bit of trivia here saying that whenever the actress that played Phoebe was working with the actor who played Dracula they never had his fangs in or his contact lenses because they didn't want to scare her but for this scene uh, he actually had all of it on So when he opens his eyes and like yells at her with the fangs, that's the first time she had ever seen the full vampire makeup and was actually terrified.
1: Yeah. And if I, I think I read some points on that as well in the trivia on IMDb and they did this in one take because he refused to do it again.
0: Well, he's traumatizing a child.
1: Yeah. But hey, it's nice that the actor is the one that's like, no, we're using that because we're not putting this kid through it. Yeah. Well, it's because he's nice because he's Canadian. Oh, he's
0: Canadian? Uh, Yeah. Duncan... Uh, Regger? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Uh, scary German guy and Phoebe continue the ritual, and the portal opens. Sean stakes Dracula, who is then grabbed by Van Helsing, who's emerged from the portal, which makes no sense because it's pulling everything into it, so how did he escape it? And they, along with Frank, are pulled into
1: the vortex. Sad to see Franco. See? Now, aren't you glad that I went back earlier and pointed out that Van Helsing went into the first portal? Huh? Yeah, I, I know. I just had a bigger problem with the fact that he managed to come out of it. Oh, because otherwise our fans would be like, Van Helsing's still alive? He's just been chilling this entire time and didn't help them. And it's like, no, silly. He was in the portal. That's why Sandro said it. Fine. You're, you're welcome. I'm also curious
0: to know why they just let that mansion... Deteriorate like it did. Like he obviously had some, some family, some ancestors. I mean, somebody was there to get rid of the book. Somebody hid the amulet. That's right. He couldn't have done it. He was sucked. <laughs> he into was the in the portal. Yeah. Come well, to think but, of it,
1: everybody that was working with him that we saw went into the portal.
0: Yeah. There's nobody else that would have any knowledge of what went down that day.
1: So somebody just came in, saw the amulet in the book. I guess, read it and thought, oh no, I better hide this amulet poorly in the basement of this house in
0: another country, on another continent that this man somehow has. Luckily, he must have written his if found, please mail to address in the journal or else they would have no way of knowing that house existed. All right, then. Yeah, well... With monsters now gone, the town square destroyed, the army arrives. It turns out they got Eugene's note. They demand to know what's going on. Sean hands them one of the cards they made and introduces the crew as the monster squad. The kids celebrate while credits roll. It's an abrupt ending.
1: It is. I feel like this was meant to be perhaps an opening for a series of movies. Well,
0: Like this is the origin
1: of the monster squad?
0: Yeah, I mean, they try... most movies are made that way, man. Nah. Now, anyway. But yeah, that's that's the Monster Squad. It was a movie.
1: Yeah, it sure was. All right, so how did it do? Well,
0: first of all, I want to talk about Shane Black and Fred Decker. Okay. Like, I already said that Decker directed Night of the Creeps and RoboCop 3. Um, Shane Black is also a director... He directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, Iron Man 3, which I hate, The Nice Guys, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, and the most recent Predator film, but he wrote some bangers with Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero, Long Kiss Goodnight, also Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, and The Predator. Um, Decker, though, uh, wrote a lot of decent stuff, too, like Godzilla 85, uh, House, Night of the Creeps, uh, If Looks Could Kill which is basically another version of Never Too Young to Die. Uh, Ricochet, five episodes of Tales from the Crypt, Robocop 3, and The Predator. So like, they do have a decent working history together, and both of them do have some really good movies under their belt, but they also have some, uh, some major bombs, too. Uh, personally, I don't think this was one of those bombs. Uh, you want to talk how it did? Uh, yes, the sir. budget The budget was $12 million, Okay. Um, Which I kind of see uh the gross was 3.8 million so it was a massive failure
1: massive failure and i don't know why because maybe maybe part of it was like we discussed what audience did you make this for
0: yeah it kind of seemed lost in its direction towards a specific audience
1: which Um, makes it tougher to market If you don't know who is actually supposed to go see this, yeah. Uh, Good point. I'm trying
0: to come up with an idea and I got nothing, man. Like, I'm even thinking of the, the movie poster and the VHS box art. Like, it's iconic for 80s pop culture horror. But even then, like, it's a super cool poster, but it doesn't really speak to a specific target audience. Um, but it does have like a, a big following. It's highly regarded. Uh, it's sitting at a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Even the critics at Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 60. And the audience score is 78. It's like, there is a lot of love for this movie. I'm just surprised that it did so poorly upon its initial release. Obviously, it's a cult classic now.
1: But yeah. I'm actually just looking at the poster right now. Because you brought it up. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting tagline. Yes. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? Clearly trying to play off the popularity of something else there. Yeah, and I don't think the Ghostbusters cartoon
0: was out yet. So they're playing off of the movie, which is definitely not meant for children. So I guess that speaks to who the audience is supposed to be.
1: I have no idea, dude.
0: Well, it didn't work no matter what they did. So,
1: All right. Why don't we get into the awards and then we can talk about our feelings about the movie at the end here. Sure. All um, right. So you lead off as usual. And you get to grace us with your selection for worst performance. Um, I have a problem with
0: this. Okie Kidoki. And that is anybody who was on screen long enough to actually be considered for this segment or this award did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can't uh, I can't disagree with that. Um even like when you start going to secondary characters like Emily, I hate the character, but it was acted incredibly well. Um, so I guess I'd have to stick with um, Patrick's sister Lisa. It was okay. just annoying, and it, I feel like the the actor didn't really give anything to the role. Like it was just a bland role.
1: I have to disagree with you very strongly about your statement that even Emily was fine, because she was terrible.
0: I think that's character, not acting. Hmm.
1: That's fine, though. It's your award. Mm -hmm. That's actually not who I'm giving it to, though. Oh, okay. I bounced back and forth between her and ultimately my pick, which was Stan Shaw as Detective Sapir. Or Rich.
0: mm, He was really annoying, too. I just didn't think he was... Yeah. See... I did did
1: think of that, too. With him, with him, there was lines... Like in the museum, when he turns and asks the the uh, museum security guard, did you do it? And then after the security guard yeah. says no, he's like, well, I don't know. I feel like if that was delivered with a better appreciation for comedic timing, a yeah. completely different cadence, it could have actually been a funny part. And I found a few situations with that. I really felt in every shot that he was in almost, except for the exploding one, which, I mean, I guess based on your idea of humor, they were supposed to be funny scenes. But I feel like his delivery was so flat so many times that it didn't... And and beyond, like, the writers, because when I look at the actual lines... The lines were fine. Mm-hmm. When I figure, well, the director might have been able to st- say, "Hey, you know, don't do it like that," and perhaps didn't. It's still how he did it. I yeah,
0: I I'll agree with you that he was the worst performance. I just was giving it to Lisa because. The character of Rich is completely inconsequential to anything in the movie. He doesn't need to exist in the script whatsoever. You can remove that character and nothing changes. So I thought I'd give it to somebody whose performance, whose character actually had some weight to plot.
1: Okay. Hey, your reasoning is your own. There's no yeah. problem with that. I personally think that she had less camera time than even the other minor characters. Unless you count her just, like, undressing in the background a couple of times. No, but how she acted and what we're led to believe about the character, I
0: thought that came through somewhat. Whereas I just didn't care whenever Rich was on there. That I didn't like that character at all. Okay. All right. Yeah. Which is a shame, because he's a good actor. It was just a
1: very, very bad performance. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest terms I can use in this regard was disappointing. Like, I really did expect better.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's fair. That's understandable.
1: Uh, he has given
0: much, much better performances. Better than a lot of the other actors in this movie. Just, unfortunately, it wasn't this movie. Um, what about you for uh, best performance?
1: I have to go with uh, Stephen Matched as Dell. Stephen Mocked. Is that I I, I might yeah. have got I apologize for getting the name wrong but uh, that's fine. Were you going to say something there or were you just correcting me? Oh, I was just correcting you. No, he's my pick too. Okay, he was the character that I felt was the most believable. Um, his character didn't have any sort of emotional development, but his emotional portrayal was probably the best in the movie. Showing frustration with his wife, showing like some what felt like genuine care for his son, uh, frustration at his work. He really did do a good job. Question though not about the acting, about the character. Okie dokie. Does he know that he has a daughter? Well, that's a question you're going to have to ask Shane Black (laughs) and uh, Fred Decker, my friend.
0: Because they're only ever on screen at the very end of the movie, together. There is no interaction between Phoebe and her father throughout the entire film. All right, then. It's weird. It's yeah. weird. But no, he did a great job. I agree with everything you said. Uh, it. Was, I didn't even have to hesitate. Like I wanted to say Tom Noonan, but he didn't really do as much as Stephen did. Uh, the character of Dell was a very well written one and could have been a very difficult character to play but Stephen Mock did a great job.
1: Yeah I mean hey I wanted to you know going into this I thought Tom Noonan was gonna have a bit of a bias head start and by no means did he' do a bad job but the the role was just so limited that you know you can't deny the the role of Dell the screen time the range it was just it was too much to to just ignore for this award Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm with you. All right, sir. Your most memorable or favorite line? Uh,
0: My most memorable line is not my favorite line. My most memorable line is one I already stated, and that is Wolfman's Got Nerds. Okie dokie. Uh, uh, I did allude to my favorite line, though, uh, and that's uh, an exchange between Horace and Scary German Guy, uh, where Scary German Guy says, uh, I expect you boys thought I was some kind of monster myself, hmm? A vampire, perhaps? Well, that's quite all right, but I am not, you know. If I were a vampire, then I wouldn't have a reflection. And he turns and points to the mirror where he's clearly visible, and then falls up with, now would I? And Horace says, man, you sure know a lot about monsters. And scary German guy responds, now that you mention it, I suppose I do. And that's when you see the tattoo on his wrist.
1: Man, you went for a deep one, eh?
0: I can't get it out of my head i completely forgot about that line and after we first watched it like it's been playing over and over again and then even i had to stop taking notes when that
1: scene was playing because yeah man it's heavy as shit. i couldn't go heavy on this movie man i, I couldn't couldn't take i understand it, couldn't take it seriously enough and, and my pick was actually one that i referenced when we were watching the movie together um made a bit of a deal out of it, so I don't know if you're going to remember this. But mm-hmm. Dracula throws dynamite into the clubhouse. As it <laughs> explodes, he turns around, and as he's walking away, he very calmly, very casually says, Meeting adjourned. I don't know why. I loved it. It's hilarious. It's That is Shane Black's action writing. Yeah, like it felt like something out of an 80s action Evil movie weapon. that you would have with, you know, your over-the-top characters who are spouting one-liners. But yep. in this movie, that wasn't the case, that wasn't the tone or the style. And it was obviously much more subdued than you would get in those 80s action movies, but it was of the same kin and I j- I just really liked it. But like it's such a goofy line when you pair that
0: with the weight of the scene of him throwing sticks of dynamite into a child's treehouse thinking that he just murdered a bunch of children. And then you get that cheesy line. You're like, hmm.
1: Oh, thanks that, for...
0: it, no, it stuck the landing, man. That's incredibly memorable and hilarious.
1: It's trying to make me feel a little bad about it. I don't know. It's a... <laughs> I, I oh, no, it's just like, it's uh... so,
0: so much of this movie is incredibly intense and they don't
1: acknowledge it. I didn't think about it from the potential of dead children's side. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
0: it's definitely a Jack Slater, like Jack Slater 4 from uh, Last Action Hero. That's definitely something you'd see in one of those movies.
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, And you might even see Tom Noonan in it. Um, Okay. Yep. My favorite movie or scene? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was when Rudy stepped up As the monster hunter extraordinaire. Yep. And I was tempted to even include it. In my favorite line. But as he's walking away from the group. The most ballsy move. That like any character in this movie had. In my opinion. It just goes to one on. Like I guess not one on one. But by himself take on the three brides of Dracula. And even like where are you going? I'm in the club aren't I? And then proceeds to take them out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna forget how badass that was. It was pretty badass. What about yeah, you? he
0: fucked them up pretty bad too. Uh, mine uh has stuck with me since the very first time I saw this movie when I was five. Um, and that is shoving dynamite down the Wolfman's pants and throwing him out the window as he explodes. <laughs> it sticks with me anytime anybody mentions this movie i immediately think wolfman's got nerds and then
1: dynamite in wolfman's pants what a drastic shift in weight from your favorite or most memorable line to the scene um very different in tone between the two i would say
0: (laughs) yeah it is I don't All
1: know. Right. I didn't go with, with favorite scene. I went with memorable. Alright, so that is our thoughts on the movie. If you guys have any, please share them with us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at bsbargainbin, youtube.com. Just search BS because we don't have a custom URL yet, or on Facebook. I said that first because I now want to get your overall thoughts on the movie after the fact um i love this movie uh it is
0: riddled with problems it is far from perfect it has a great cast it's filmed very well it's directed well i have so much fun with this movie i'm a big horror fan so it's got staples of you know monster movie history um even though it's not the classic ones because you couldn't do those for legal reasons, they they shifted a few different elements around enough to make it presentable and still enjoyable. Uh, I think it is fun for a lot of different ages. Uh, definitely not for kids, though. Um, it's a movie I can watch by myself and really enjoy, and it's a movie I can watch with friends and equally enjoy it. Uh, I It's one of those movies that I like recommending to people, telling them to watch, and hearing their to it so i definitely recommend this movie i'm definitely gonna be watching it again i think it got a blu-ray release so i'm gonna try and grab that even what about uh, what about you sir what do you think
1: this is a really tough one for me um i'm very on the fence about it because i absolutely want to recommend the movie mm-hmm. my problem is i don't know who to recommend it to yeah, you're going to get somebody who either like
0: loves it or hates it. Uh, hopefully more people love it than hate it, but there's a, a decent argument for both.
1: Yeah, I get that. I would say that probably the main thing that I would say uh, would deter me from recommending the movie is if somebody wanted to watch it with a critical eye like we did. Oh no, no. Don't fucking do that. Never do that. This movie, it comes off in review, in dissection, in evaluation, as so flawed that it is almost impossible to believe how much fun you can have with it. Yeah. Because it was a fun watch. I enjoyed watching it with you as much as I played straight-faced and tried to hide that. And I also enjoyed watching it again the second time to get my more detailed notes. Yeah. But... I absolutely hated that I had to take notes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's one you should just sit back and have fun watching. Um, Analyzing this movie is not going to end well. No. Um, Everything we've said about this, for the most part, has been negative. Or at least inquisitive as to the reasoning behind doing what they did. Um, But that's only if you take the time to dig into it. If you just throw it on and have fun like sit back and just watch it some you know rainy day or some afternoon it's a blast it's a lot of fun
1: yeah i mean i picked it apart this entire episode and yet when i walk away from it and move on to the next thing i'll look back at it and think that was a fun movie yep you summed it up perfectly all right so that takes care of our discussion On the 1987 movie the monster squad there's only one thing left to do ben Mm -hmm. and that is to ask you what are we watching next week
0: uh next week we are watching what i consider to be a classic carpenter movie 1995's in the mouth of madness
1: Could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's
0: novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane disappeared two months ago without a trace. He's the guy that writes horror books. You can forget about Stephen King.
1: Kane outsells them all.
0: I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. It's a setup. It's a set up. I just have to work out how it's set up.
1: Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. <laughs>
0: It's a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, (sighs) Trevor. So, the movie comes out next month
1: all right until next time have a great one guys all the best guys